Bibles tonight. Hebrews, the third chapter, and we're going to begin with the 14th verse. Hebrews, chapter 3. Beginning with the 14th verse. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now, I want you to notice that. His drawing is a picture here. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all came, that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them? that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest they promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you, should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And we glorify God Lord, we know that you're here to do a work among these people. And we thank you for what you have already done and for what you're going to do tonight. For we feel your presence and we know there are hungry and needy hearts that are present here. Uh, and I pray, God, that you'll minister to those needs and we're going to give you praise and thanks for it. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, I've heard the comment made many times, I'm a child of God, I'm an heir of God, I've got promises that the Lord has given me. Those promises that were given in the Bible and the things that God had said are mine just as well as anybody else's. God has made me great promises in the Word and I can take those promises. Just as well as you. Well, I can't deny that because I believe that there are many people that are born into the kingdom of God. They have made some kind of a, of a commitment to Jesus because the Bible tells us that very clearly. He says that there's a sower that went forth to sow. Now some seed fell upon stony places and it brought forth roots. And it began to grow, but they didn't go down deep because of the stone. And as soon as the winds and the storms came, they were gone. They just couldn't stand because they had no deep roots. Bible said there was sun that fell upon the byways and the highways, and there were birds that came along and took the seed away before it had a chance to take root. Said there were some seeds that fell among thorny places, and these seeds began to grow. But when they grew among the thorns, the thorns gathered round about them and it choked them out, and they died. But he said, some fell on good ground and brought forth fruit. Now, I thank God for that which has fallen on good ground, but I can't deny that there are seeds that have fallen in other soils and actually did begin to grow, but they didn't make it. And many times we feel, and I've heard this testimony about having the promises of God, but the thing that Jesus was telling us here, church, in this scripture that we've read tonight, is that regardless of whether you have the promise or not, you can be given a promise. 
The promise can be written in the Word of God. He can say it and speak it forth to you, but without faith, it's not really going to profit you. Because we have to be willing to go out and to lay hold of what God said we could have. You see, God promised Israel, He said, the land belongs to you. I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to have everything that you could possibly want in it. Well, now, if God made the promise to Israel and He said that they could have what they wanted, most proper thing for them to do, because we know God can't break a promise. If God makes a promise, He's always going to fulfill what He says. So the most appropriate thing to do would be just sit back and and rock in your chair until someone comes by and hands you the title deed to Israel because God said you're going to have it. No, that isn't the way He put it. He said you can have it. And it's yours. But He said you're going to have to go in and conquer it. Whithersoever the soles of thy feet shall trot, that shall be thy inheritance. Now Israel had the promise. It was very definite in this scripture that they had the promises. And you know, it doesn't matter what your privileges are. It doesn't matter how much you belong to God or your privileges that God has for you in heaven. If you don't have no faith, you're not going to claim the privileges that are yours. We need to think on this tonight. Because God wants to do something. God wants you to lay hold of these promises. God wants you to claim them, but it's going to take power, it's going to take faith, it's going to take enthusiasm. You must be willing to rise up and go out and conquer and take over the thing that God told you to do. I remember God spoke to me, and I, I've shared this partially with you before, about going over to the Orient. It seemed like such an impossible situation to me because I didn't have the money. That's usually the biggest obstacle when it comes to doing something like that. And the Lord had spoken to me in this particular revival and said, I want you to go over there and preach the gospel to those people. And I said, God, fine. I said, I, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. God said, well, I've got plenty of it. I said, well, why don't you give it to me so I can go? God said, you just go. And I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I want to go, but you've got to send it in. God said, just go. Now, you see, the principles of faith are always this. God gives you a command, and He gives you a promise, but He doesn't always tell you exactly how it's going to be fulfilled. He just says, you must go ahead and take what I have promised for you, and you're going to see this thing fulfilled in your life. And a lot of times, it's a lot different than any way that you ever thought it was going to be. I prayed about it, and finally nothing had happened, so I said, Lord, I'm preaching faith. I talk about faith. And I said, I, I, I'm going to have to use it. Now, it had been real easy for me just not to tell the people that God was dealing on me uh, to go to Hong Kong and minister over there. If I hadn't told them, then I wouldn't have to make any testimony about not using faith to go. Come on. But I was being honest with myself, and I said, Lord, if you want me to go, and I preach faith to people, then I'm going to have to exercise faith in this particular thing. So I sat down and wrote a letter to the fellow over in, in, in Hong Kong. And I said, pick me up in the Kayatak Airport at 7.30 Saturday night. I'll be there and get the advertising out and ready to go. And I'm going to be over there. We're going to hold a revival. And so I closed that revival. And I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I closed on Sunday night. And Monday morning early, we left to drive home. I drove all day Monday, stopped that night. And next day, Tuesday, I came in Tuesday late that night. And so, went right to bed. First thing, when I got up Wednesday morning, I had to go to the airport and get my ticket because my plane would leave on Thursday if I was going to be there by Saturday. So I had to get the airplane ticket that day. And I still didn't have any money. Had $500, all the money we had to our name, and about 480 of it went to bill collectors. <laughs> Amen. So I really didn't have that either. I had to make all the payments and the food and all these things that had to be done. And, and, and here I didn't have it. I said, God, what are you going to do? I went out and checked the mailbox four or five times that morning. Nothing special had happened. I thought maybe God had 
move on somebody to drop something in there outside of the mailman coming by. I didn't know what to look for. I just knew I had to go. I'd made the contacts. They'd done the advertising. I'd made the plans, and I'd done it by faith, and still nothing had happened. I waited and waited until the last minute, and finally I thought, well, I can't wait any longer. I grabbed the checkbook and stuck it in my pocket and started out the door, walked out, and just as I pulled the door behind me, I heard the phone begin to ring on the inside. And I almost tore the door off the hinges trying to get back in. I ran in and I grabbed that phone. I said, hello. I was expecting some great revelation from the Lord, but it wasn't. Just a friend of mine is wondering if I got home back all right. And I said, yeah, I got back. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm on my way over to the airport. I've got to get an airplane ticket. He said, where are you going now? I said, Hong Kong. I said, Hong Kong? I said, yes, I'm going to Hong What are you going over there for? I said, well, the Lord told me to. Well, he said, why don't you stop and have lunch with me on the way? And I said, fine, I will. And so I went on, and I was, I was really beginning to sweat this because I had canceled meetings in order to make this trip over there. And I had my, my schedule all worked out. I'd canceled the meetings. I'd made preparation. The advertisement was being out. And, and here I was, stuck, and I... I was trying to exercise faith and believe the Lord and said, God, you told me to go. I said, I didn't have the money. You said, you've got it. I believed you. I stepped out, but you haven't shown it to me yet. Lord, I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder about this thing. I was getting disturbed. And so I met this man and we went over. We had lunch and he asked me about the revival we just conducted and the things that had happened. But we didn't say a thing about Hong Kong. Not a word. And so finally I said, well, listen, I've got to go. I said, if I don't get down there, I'm going to... Be late. I've got to get my airplane ticket because I have to catch it tomorrow. He said, all right. We got up to walk out. We started to walk out. He put his arm around me and he said, you know, John, he said, God really did call you to go to Hong Kong. I said, why do you say that? Because he said he just spoke to me to send you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I'll tell you, I got excited. I almost made a new exit in that restaurant. He didn't know I didn't have the money. He thought everything was all planned. And he said, just hold on a minute, I'll write you out a check. Man, I was doing a little jig over there. Hallelujah. And you know God provided? Hallelujah. Oh, bless God. He opened up the doors. I got the ticket. I went over there. Then I got a great big surprise when I got over there. Found out that six of their dollars, one of our dollars is worth as much as six of theirs. And here I canceled all these meetings. I was going to be over there for about a month. I just barely had enough to pay the bills when I left. I don't know what to do. And I said, God, these people haven't got enough money to, to meet my need while I'm over here. And I said, Lord, you got my airplane ticket, but now everybody's going to starve to death while I'm here. And I was praying. And you know, we held that crusade. God blessed. People were touched. Bodies were healed. In fact, I remember the first night of the revival, God spoke to me about a woman sitting about partway back and had said she has kidney stones. And if you pray for her, I'll heal her. And so I got the fellow that was interpreting with me because that Chinese is, is really a strange language. I was preaching away and it sounded like he was singing next to me. <laughs> and he went down with me and I told her in English that God had shown me about these kidney stones in her body. He told her in, in Chinese that about the kidney stones, and she started nodding her head, hi, 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 she was saying. And all of a sudden, the power of God hit her, and she hit the floor. And you know, I've never seen such a complete, utter mass of confusion in all my life. When that woman hit the floor, those people, over a hundred of them, jumped to their feet and ran in unison in masses down the aisle. I thought scared me to death. I thought they thought maybe I'd wounded one of their people and they going to kill me. I don't know what to think. They just literally mobbed me. These guys were pushing away. One man was sitting on the front row with his leg up in the air, just screaming to the top of his lungs, Hey! Ah! Ah! Pointing his leg. Come back here and heal my leg is what he was saying. Hallelujah. I was standing up there in total fright, not knowing whether to run or to preach or to pray or what. And then when I began to see what was happening, my heart rejoiced. Hallelujah. God moved. Tremendous things begin to happen. You know, at the end of that crusade, I just they almost had to carry me out of there on a stretcher. And I got through, and and uh, the pastors that were working with us, they got up and took up an offering. 
And he came back and he handed me this check and he says, Brother Messer, he says, now, he says, you're going to have to take this check to the bank here in Hong Kong and we're going to have to change it around and cash it so you can have it in American money. But he said, we're very proud to give you this because these people are very poor. Many of them didn't have anything. He says, we're very proud to give you this. He says, this is what the people has given you to show you their love. And they handed me a check, church, for $4,600. Now, before you get too excited, that was Hong Kong dollars. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. A Hong Kong dollar is a lot of money to them. In our money, it mounted about $900. But it was a lot of money to them. And when I got home, I had enough to pay every bill. God had ministered. Bodies were healed. Lives were touched. That are still going on with Jesus today simply by an act of faith. Now, I had no idea how God could bring this money in to get me over there, to get me back, to take care of my needs where I was there. I didn't even know where in the world it could possibly come from. Seemed totally impossible. But you see, by moving on the command of God through faith, He brought to pass the promise that He had made. Now the promise is there. See, a lot of people sit back and I've had them come to me and say, Brother Master, I, you know, I want you to pray with me because God made me a promise. God made me a promise. And I know that if God makes a promise, it's going to come to pass. A lot of times I've said, what have you done to gain control of that promise that God's made you? God says for you to do something and He's going to bring it to pass. You have to be obedient to go in and conquer. He made the promise to Israel. He said, it's yours. And I believe that God meant every word that He said. It's yours. But you know, He didn't say, wheresoever the soles of your feet shall trot, shall be your inheritance till after they're almost over there. He didn't show them all those things. They had to step out by faith. They had to believe what Moses said. They had to believe this servant that God had sat there and begin to follow him. Listen, when deliverance comes, a lot of times there's a process before it's completely fulfilled. And faith keeps us going, believing God that this thing is going to be brought about. Do you realize that when Moses was born and his mother saw that he was a proper child and put him in a little basket of bulrushes and he started down the, 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 the river that day, that when that baby was set aside to keep from being killed by the king, do you realize that the process of deliverance for those people had already begun? God had that man. He chose that baby. And when Moses was over there in the wilderness for 40 years, God was preparing him. Now, I'm sure that during that time, a lot of those people should have thought, would have thought, my God has forgotten all about us. He doesn't have a deliverer for us. Why, why hasn't the Lord brought this thing to pass? Here we are under bondage. Why hasn't the Lord given us out of this? He's given us a promise. He gave it to our father Abraham. All of these things have been said. Why has it not been done? But you see, all the time God was working toward the end and to that goal. And those people were going to have to exercise faith in bringing to pass the very thing that God said He was going to do. Faith is a tremendous part of your action in God. We live by faith. Even though all these things are done. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian and so I'll have to go to church. No, it takes more than that. You need to get faith into action. Get up off of your hickamashai and put your feet into gear and go to church. Somebody needs to be saved. I wish they'd come to church. Well, it takes more than that. You have to begin to move out and conquer yourself. Go over and tell them about Jesus. We live through the powers of faith. Now, Israel had the promise. But the problem was, even though they had the promise, they had no faith. They got over there, and the twelve spies went across to the other land, and they came back, and they said, well, God told the truth. He's not a liar. Sure enough, it's a land that is flows with milk and honey. They brought over a, a, a cluster of grapes that was so big it had to be carried on the shoulders of two men. And they said, sure enough, it's what God said. It's grapes. But there's giants. Amen. Wonder why God didn't tell us about the giants. Told us about the blessings. Told us about the land that flows with milk and honey. Told us about all the good things, but He sure didn't mention any giants. Well, the reason why He didn't mention any giants because He knew He'd have never got them out of the gate of Egypt if He had them. If you knew everything you were going to face, you'd have been scared to death a long time ago. 
But when God takes you through them step by step, you're able to go on. Now these people had the promise, but their heart melted when they saw the task that was before them. When they saw the giants. Now I've never met a person yet that has ever given his heart to God. Who wants to go out and really do something for God, but what he doesn't have, many giants to whip. Brother, you're going to face them now. You might as well know it. And I'll tell you something. Some of the giants that we have to face are bigger than some of the giants that those Israelites saw over there in the land of Jericho. We've got big ones. And any time God's going to use you, the more God has planned for your life, the bigger giants the devil's going to put in your way. He doesn't want you to go in. But I'll tell you something. If you have faith in God, See, Caleb and Joshua, they had faith. Those men knew that God had sent them. And when these Israelites begin to chat and complain and they, they begin to murmur and they listen to the ten spies and they said, my Lord, what can we do? Why, God's led us out here to be destroyed. We can't overcome people like that. Would they look like grasshoppers in their sight? And they're so huge and they're so big. And after all, the Bible says, or not the Bible says, but man says, the majority rules. Ten said we can't take it. Two said we could. And these two young men, Joshua and Caleb, why, they're just little old uh, young fellows in the Lord. They're just zealous. You know how it is when a kid gets saved and pastor starts putting ideas in his head about being a preacher. And he gets zealous, man. He thinks he could raise the dead if he got the chance. Come on. But he's, you know, he needs a little maturing. Whew, you're getting quiet now. You know, I had an old brother come to me one time. He said, son, and he said, you're a young man. He said, you're full of zeal. You're full of enthusiasm. But he said, just give yourself a few years. He said, let you go through a few trying times. Let some of the pressures of life come upon you. And he said, you'll cool down some. And he said, you'll find that you don't need to shout so loud. You don't need to get so carried away. And you'll have more power than you've got right now. But you know, that's been 13 years ago and it's getting worse all the time. Hallelujah. The bigger the giants get, the louder I yell. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother, you need to do that. Those things begin to press against you. That's when you really start needing to shout. Man, if it hadn't have been for the power and the ability to shout and praise God, I'd have been done a long time ago. But those things come against me. First thing I do is get myself alone. Get my hands in the air. Start loosening up my knees. Hallelujah. And I just start walking and shouting and praising God and speaking in tongues. And I'll go on sometimes like that all night long until I've whittled that giant down big enough for me to step on him. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And then when I get him down there, I just smash him and go on. Hallelujah. God's given us power, and that power is in Jesus Christ. It takes faith to go on and conquer the promises of God. Now these people, they begin to believe that evil report. And isn't it strange that God called a report of unbelief evil? In our modern day language, if it's sensual or uh, against the law or against uh, some moral issue, we call it evil. Man, he's evil. He, he, he fights people. He robs banks. He commits adultery. He does, he's evil. But these people, according to the general run of the people, they were good, upright, clean. Here they were, walking across the wilderness. Three million Jews, their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Everything about them went on. I'm telling you, three million people, not one feeble among them. Now that's saying quite a bit. We probably got 250 people here tonight, and I suppose I could find a feeble one somewhere if I looked hard enough. No feeble. They were people that were following God. They were righteous. God's hand was upon them. But now, because of the fact they disbelieved, God called it evil. He said they believed an evil report. Now, that's one thing I've noticed about faith, church. And you'd do well if you'd write this down in your little book so that you could look at it ever so often. If you don't have faith that God will, then you automatically have faith that He won't. You're going to believe in something. If you don't believe in the good part, then you're going to believe in the opposite. But you'll believe in something. And the Bible said those Israelites did believe. Only trouble was they believed in the wrong thing. They believed the evil report. Now Joshua and Caleb, those men had faith. Oh, I like a man of faith. 
You know, when I get around somebody that believes God, I feel, I feel good. I love to sit and fellowship and talk and, and, and I feel kindred spirit with them and I love that. But you know, I can't stand this old negativism. Just drives me up the wall. Bless me to hear this young fellow talking about saying, I feel like going to work in his shower. Praise God. Best thing that ever happened to him. And I think that's what we need every day. Get up. Hallelujah. Say and you stand up. This is a day the Lord has made. Hallelujah. Maybe I feel rotten and everything else, but I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. And go out praising God and thanking Jesus. You'll find it will put a whole new outlook on your life. Put a whole new attitude in your mind. You won't look like such a sourpuss to those people that you come in contact with. And they'll know there's something there. These young men had known God and they had faith. And they looked at those Israelites. They said, now hold on here. Didn't God take us out of Egypt? Didn't God part the Red Sea? Didn't God bring manna down out of heaven? Didn't He bring water from a solid rock? Didn't He bring in quail when you lusted for meat? Didn't He have Moses raise up a brazen serpent when you've been bitten? We be well able to overcome those giants. Because greater is He that is in us. Hallelujah. Our God that is we serve and that is on our side. Brother, if He can part the Red Sea, if He can do all of those things, there isn't any giant, any devil, anything else can stand in His way. Because after all, He made the earth and the fullness thereof. He has control of it. Why should we worry? Glory to God. The very fact that we do manifests a lack of our faith and trust in Him. Even the disciples, when they were on the ship with Jesus, and the waves, and that was a natural thing, if you want to say, talk about natural feelings, for them to be afraid, when the waves began to blow, and that old ship started sinking and creaking and cracking, and here was Jesus down there in the bottom asleep. Man, they were scared. And I don't blame them. They ran down and said, Jesus, don't you care whether we perish or not? He got up and he said, how is it that you have no faith? Don't you know that I'm with you? Don't you know that I was going over there to heal those people? Don't you know that we're going to the other side to the Gadareans? Don't you know that we're going to do great things over there? Why is it that you're afraid and have no faith? If I'm with you and I sent you over there, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, they had the promise. God gave it to them. It's your land. You take it. They had the promise. They knew that God could do it because they had seen the miracles that He did. They'd seen what He had done in the past. But even though they had the promise, they had no faith to act and to go in and to conquer. Now the reason they had no faith was because Satan begins to put the believer under fear and condemnation, which caused his faith to be withered. Why? You know that you're no different than any other man. You just got stirred up because you saw Moses and what he did. And after all, God took Moses home. And he's not here anymore. That young man, Joshua. Think about that. And he tries to put fear into their hearts and their lives. He tries to put fear in your life. And if he can make you afraid, thinking you cannot do something, he'll come back and he'll say, Now you know you're no different than Joe Blow. Maybe you've gotten saved and you feel something, but you couldn't pray for people like Brother Mitchell. You couldn't do like this other individual. You don't got no great power in your heart or your life. You're just another person and that person starts withering down and thinking, oh my, yes, I guess maybe I am. And condemnation and fear begins to come. And when that condemnation and fear is in your life, then you do not step out because you're afraid you're not going to be able to accomplish what God said for you to do. You just have to realize that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord. For I'll tell you, wherever Satan rules, for wherever the devil moves, there is going to be a hindrance in your life spiritually. Whenever the devil takes control of your mind and your thinking, you're not going to be able to produce the things for God that you would when you turn around and say, Devil, I am a brand new 
breed of individual. I am a new creature, hallelujah, with powers on me that no other generation has ever had. I have the fullness of God in my life. I am saved and born again, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. And devil, I can do anything I want to do through Christ Jesus. And you can't stop me. He'll say, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And I say, you know, I learned to love him and he'll flee for a while. But I can be rest assured that he'll be back again to hinder and to torment. But listen, once your faith is established in God, when that happens, you don't have to worry about him. You just go on, praise God. You continue to praise the Lord. You continue to overcome. You continue to speak positively. You confess what you can do in the name of Jesus. By faith, you step out and do it, praise God. I can picture old Peter getting out of that boat when Jesus was walking upon the water. And Jesus is coming across them. Peter said, Lord, if that's really you ah, let me come man he he just he had to get out there come on i can picture him that looks so good i just gotta try it that's the way the spirit is you know you see somebody else doing it and you want it i gotta do it lord let me get over that boat my if i could just try that i'd love to walk on the water jesus said okay Peter, come on and walk everybody says yeah Old Peter thought he's going to do something great. He sank. Maybe he did, but let me tell you something, church. He walked before he sank. How many of you would have even walked? He had faith to get out of that boat. He had faith to step out on that water. He had faith to start taking those steps. And he did something that so many people do. Momentarily, he got his eyes off of Jesus because he felt the waves and he felt the, pro the winds and the problems round about. And he took his eyes off and he began to look down and thought, My God, what am I doing out here walking on the water? And he started to sink. But I want you to know something. There are people that will stand around, point their finger at individual and say, Well, you know, he thought he's going to do something great, but he sank. He sank. Listen, you better get your eyes off the sinking and stop think, start thinking, Brother, he walked before he sank. I'd rather try something big and fail than to try nothing at all and succeed. Hallelujah. And there's a lot of people that have sat around and do nothing. Say, oh, I've never had a single failure in my life. And it's true, you haven't, because you've never done anything. Never had a single setback. No, you never have. Never had anything go wrong. And you never will, because you don't do anything. Anytime you go out, you're going to stir up trouble. There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be uh, financial heartaches. There's going to be things that you go through, and you don't know what to do about it. But you have the satisfaction in your heart. Of knowing you've launched out and started something great. And brother, that's what God has commanded you to do is to go forward. Not to sit back and wonder if you can or what would happen if you failed or anything else. But go! Hallelujah! Just keep right on going! Praise the name of Jesus Christ! Oh, Peter may have sank, but he didn't sink very far. As soon as he started to go down, a hand clutched him. Lifted him up. Said, come on, Peter. We'll walk back together. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And he turned around and walked back to that boat with Jesus Christ because he learned that the power that he had was not in himself, but the power was in the Master. And our strength is in Jesus Christ. We can do whatever we choose to do if our trust is in Him. And if we exercise that faith that God has given us from a righteous life, to work for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. And if you're walking in the Spirit of God, now if you're doing your thing, I believe that there's no such thing as condemnation for a Christian, but there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And I've seen a lot of people try to take conviction and pass it off as condemnation. If you're walking righteously and living for God and being sincere before the Lord and trying to do your level best, the enemy's going to condemn you and you can throw that off. If you're not, then you're genuinely being convicted by the Lord and you better do something about it. But if it's condemnation, we don't have to live in that. We can say, Lord, and that's why they don't... There is no condemnation of them that walk in Christ Jesus because He knows inside His heart is upright. 
He knows that his life is right. And he feels pure inside. And so he throws that off. And there is none. And he goes on righteously, on fire for God, doing a work for Jesus Christ. And he overcomes because his strength is not in himself. His strength is not in his own confession, in his own logic. That's what brings unbelief. People think by their own imaginations. Well, it's, it's logical. And it, it, it makes good sense. You know, this man's got good understanding. Proverbs, the third chapter says, Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know, when those Israelites crossed over into that other land, if they had have led, leaned to their own understanding, they would have gotten out sharp spears and knives, uh, instruments of war, bows and arrows and horses and chariots, uh, and they would have went in and launched a battle upon Jericho. But God said, no, we're not going to do it that way. I've got it all planned. All you're supposed to do is march around the city. March. Whoever heard of winning a battle like that? You don't win a battle by marching. You win a battle by fighting. God said, march. Now, it's not according to your own understanding. It's not according to your own logic. It's not according to your own wisdom. But it's my word, and that's what I want you to do. Do it! And when they did it, the walls fell. They had victory and power. They had to do it by faith. It took complete confidence in what God had said because the natural wisdom was totally uh, useless to them there. In the natural man, there could have been no possible way that marching around those walls as big and as high, so thick that they had chariot races upon them. In the natural mind, there's no possible way that marching around those things would make them come down. It was totally faith. Now, he was trying to show us something here. As long as Satan rules, faith will be shriveled and undeveloped. The land belonged to those people before they went in. But many of them did not get it. Said, wheresoever the soles of your feet shall trod, that shall be your inheritance. But many of them did not receive the promise. They died in the wilderness. They died. I believe that Israel... The land of Canaan, where they were going in to conquer. I've heard people say, we're going to cross over Jordan alone and all this and go into heaven. But I don't believe that Israel was a type of heaven. I believe it was a type of a deeper experience with God. Moving in the fullness, the power, the gifts, the anointing of the Spirit of God. I believe that's what it meant. I believe it was a type of the Pentecostals. Hallelujah. And you know, there were many of those people that were saved, set aside by the blood of the Lamb, who were out of Egypt who were taken across the Red Sea. They were no longer under the rule of Satan. But they wandered in the wilderness and died because they had not faith to receive the fullness of God's promise for their life. And there are people in this day and age today who can make experiences, have experiences, who can receive God and who can say, I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, but can wonder and spend their whole life that way and die without ever experiencing a singular power in their life or producing anything at all because they have no faith to go out and reach out and to claim the benefits and the blessings and the power and the release of the Spirit of God that is for their life. This is the joy of it. Man. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, that was good. But you know, it took me several years. Because I'd heard this old story so long. Sought, sought for the Holy Ghost and praise God, I've got it now. I've got it. And then they'd sit down and die. Oh, we had gifts, spirit in the church. All three of them. Tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Amen. That made us spiritual. Somebody would come out with a word of knowledge, and I don't know about that guy. He must be out of the devil. Amen. They weren't familiar with that. You know, I thought, man, when I had received the Holy Ghost, when I had received the Spirit of God, I had arrived. I'm spiritual now. I speak in tongues. But I realized a little later on that I had just crossed over the Jordan. 
and that there was a numerous amount of blessings and power and all of these things that was out there before me to be released unto my life, to bring joy and peace and give me confidence in God and to stimulate my faith and to keep me going on for Him. And now that I've traveled in this vein for quite a while, i found that I'm still just getting started. Hallelujah. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how far away you really were. And how much you really need the power of Jesus Christ to go on. Our promise is the same as theirs. Uh, Bible says that for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Even though they had it, it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now I'm giving you something here tonight. You have a will and you can accept what I'm saying or you can totally reject it. It's entirely up to you. But if you're willing to receive what God has for your life and mix with faith the promises of God, He'll bring you into a new experience and a depth with Jesus Christ that you didn't realize that you could ever have. Jude says, even the angels themselves, after having left their first estate, had reserved unto them everlasting chains and punishment unto darkness unto the last day. And here were angels who had come out of the heavenly courts of God. Instead of beginning to just rest in the promises and, and, and the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, turned and rebelled and went their own way. And they are the ones that were destroyed. And this is what he said in the Scripture, But with whom was he grieved? With whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them who had sinned? And the way they sinned was by disbelieving. Whose carcass fell? They died there. Whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest? And Brother, when you get into that rest, there's a place that even though the battles are there, even though the giants are there, even though there are things that are conquered, you just you rest in Jesus. And you say, Lord, I'm not worried about them because I've seen too many big dead ones behind me. And I know those that step out in front are going to be the same way. And my confidence is in you. By faith, I believe that you're going to liberate me. By faith, you're going to carry me through. By faith, you're going to minister to every need that I have. By faith, you're going to overcome. And Lord, I'm just going to rest in this. Hallelujah. I've come to that place to know that you're the one that does it. And you're on my side. And I don't need to be frustrated over those giants anymore. I don't need to be frustrated over those cities anymore. And over those problems. Because I've got got Jesus with me and the Lord is going to carry me through. Hallelujah. It's not God's place. You know, I knew a preacher. He gets so frustrated on Sunday. I've had people tell me, said, Mister, I don't understand you. Guy just told me this last week. He said, you know, you are absolutely the calmest man before a sermon, he says, I've ever met. He said, I'm usually worked up and running around and, and, and excited and, and upset and everything else. about." And he says, you just sit there like nothing's wrong. I said, well, there isn't. Well, I know, but he said, you, you don't even get nervous. Like you sit there and drink a cup of coffee or laugh or just go on your way. And I said, brother, God has not given me a portion of fret and worry. He doesn't want me to work up ulcers every time I preach a sermon because I preach so many. If I did, I'd have been dead. He wants me to be at peace. Hallelujah. To be at peace with Jesus. Glory to God. And to rest in the promises of the Lord. And this other man told me, he said, you know, I get so nervous and upset. He says, you know, there's no, there's just absolutely, he said, there's no, uh, there's no assurity in the ministry. No assurity in the ministry. I'm just worried, you know, no assurity in the ministry. I said, what do you mean? Well, if this congregation gets tired of me, they could just kick me out. Why, if you work on a job, you've got all the benefits. I don't have no benefits. I just depend on what they give me and, and there's no assurity in the ministry. He said, you know, I even went to bed and dreamed that I'd get up to preach before the church without my pants on. He said, I'm so embarrassed and then I wake up and realize it's only a dream. And I'll come out there and get ready to preach and I feel like my shirt's off and I just got a coat on. Oh my God. And he says, then I'll wake up and he just lived in constant turmoil. I said, God, that's, that's not God's portion for your life. <laughs> Brother, there isn't anything that's more sure than the ministry. 
I said, my employer's God. Hallelujah. I defy a congregation to kick me out. Praise God, they got something big to answer to if he wanted me there. Now you're getting quiet on me. Praise the Lord. You better keep your hands off God's people. Bible said, touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. And you notice he didn't say slug them or kick them. He said, touch them not. You don't have to touch them very hard. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I got my big brother Jesus that's with me. And he takes care of me. And I can have rest and peace and joy in him. How? By faith. Because his promise has given it to me. And all I have to do is just accept it and believe it and walk in it. And it happens and it works. It works. Thank God for the joy that we have. The peace. You know something? I feel like taking off right now. Mm. I know this well, but it does us good to review it in our own minds and to have faith and to believe. Because these promises were given unto us the same as they were to those people. But many of them did not believe. It's up to you and I to accept and believe and conquer. For this is our portion that God would give to us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you saw fit to make me your son. Even though I was unworthy, you made me worthy. Even though I was just a man, you made me a son of God with an inheritance, with glorious victories, things out before me. And then, Lord, you didn't just hang them out there to tantalize me. But you instilled faith within my heart that I might rise up with it and go out and take them for they're mine. Now, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll speak to these people right now and touch their hearts with faith. And God, may they see the truth of the Word of God. For the Word is said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. While we're praying and while we're pausing right now, I wonder how many would be honest with me that's in this congregation tonight. Say, Brother Metzler, I know that I need this experience of being reborn, born again, coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ like you're talking about. I've been looking at it through the eyes of the natural. I've been thinking that how could that do any good, going to church? Is there a God? Does He exist? Could He help me in my dilemma? But I'm here tonight and I believe what you say. And I want to just release myself to the Lord. And I want to say, I need to be a Christian. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. And I want you to remember me in your prayers. Would you lift up your hand quickly? Lift it up right now. God's speaking to lives. Don't put him off. Don't put him off. Jesus is ministering. The Lord is speaking. God is speaking to your heart right now. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you or have been a Christian. You know that God exists and you know that it's real. You're a backslider and you know that you're not where you should be right now. But you say, Lord, I... I want to exercise some faith tonight. I want to just come down there and accept Jesus again. I want God to forgive me of my wrongdoings. And I want to be born again. Touch tonight. Lord, would you do that for me? Slip up your hand. Come on, quickly. Quickly, yes. Yes. There are others. Come on. God's speaking to you. You need to give your life to Jesus tonight. You need to turn your heart over to Him. Just slip up your hand and slip it down saying, Pray for me, brother. I need this experience in the name of Jesus. Now is the time. This is the hour. Don't put it off. 
We're going to sing that chorus, Have Faith in God. I want you to just keep praying the way you are right now. Have faith in God for the victory. Have faith in God. As we sing it, I want those of you that lifted your hand. Those of you who did not, but know you should have. Everybody here that wants to give your life to God, slip out of your seat, come down to this altar here and kneel. Someone will meet you here and Jesus is going to change your life right now. I can guarantee it. And if there are those near you that don't know Jesus, just go to them. Take them by the arm. Say, come on, I'll go with you. Let's go together. Bring them down. God wants to change those lives. Sing it with me. Have faith in God. Have Come on, those of you that lifted your hands, if you really meant it, slip out of your seat right now. Come on down here. Takes courage, but that's the only kind of people God can use. Come on, brother. That brother back there lifted your hand. If you're sincere, come on. Make your stand for him. Amen. That's right. Come on. Glory to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Sing it again. Everybody sing it to him. Amen. In God, have faith in God, have faith in God for the victory, have faith in God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Have faith in God. Have faith in God for deliverance. Hallelujah. Have faith in God for deliverance. Have faith in God. Now, I just feel tonight there's a multitude of needs that God wants to meet here tonight. I feel that God's going to do some tremendous things. I can sense it in my spirit. There's many, many that need healing in their bodies. There's many that have financial burdens and problems that you're being burdened under that you're hindered by. There are many that have sources and multitudes of difficulties that you just don't know which way to turn. Well, brother, just join the rest of us and be willing to exercise faith. And God's going to do something in your heart and your life right now. And we're going to sing that chorus, and I just feel prompted to do this way this night. As we sing it, I want you, if you have a need, 